Well, um, I want to, you know, today's message is going to be a, a, a Father's Day message. And um, I, I want to, as I, as, I, as I give you a challenge, which I will today, I will give all you men a challenge, not just fathers, all you men and, and future men a challenge. But I'll remember this symbol. Remember that symbol? Everybody know what that means? It, it, it means that when you get challenged, unless God really, really reveals to you more, unless God reveals to you that you're supposed to give all your money away and sell your house and move to Africa or something, then just give him a little bit more. Just turn it up a notch. So take the challenge today. It may sound impossible. It probably is impossible. But uh, as an employer I had one time told me, he said, Phil, uh, by the inch, it's a cinch. By the yard, it's hard. So uh, go an inch. <laughs> Just get going in the right direction. Amen? Amen. Um, I want to talk about the, we're talk, this is a series, part of a series called the Image of God. And today I want to talk about the masculine image. Uh, I don't know if you've ever thought about God having a gendered image. But God actually has a gendered image. He, the image of God made he them. And so we're going to read the scripture. I want to get right into it because I've got quite a bit of material to cover. But I believe I can get you out here in plenty of time to make it to the Father's Day cookout or whatever you're doing. <clears throat> then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. God was not androgynous. That's not, that's not the point. It was not about God's physical appearance or physical makeup when we say the image of God uh, in, in, this, in this context. Uh, it, it's about God's assignment, God's calling, God's assignment on you as a woman, God's assignment and calling on you as a man. And, and we're going to, you know what I love about the scripture? And, and, and compared to society, society gets a lot of things right, by the way, but you know what society typically does throughout history? They, get, they take things too far. They don't know when to stop. The Bible always gives us, and I think you're going to see as I move into the sermon today, that, that God's, uh, God's calling to males and females is way more balanced, way more nuanced than we sometimes imagine it to be. Uh, and, and that's how I believe I know that something's of God or not. One of the ways I know something's of God is if something's of God, it, it's in balance. And it, it's the, 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 it is not extreme, it's, but it's always in balance. So I think you'll understand as I get further in what I mean. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, the wild animals on earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God created he them male and female. He created them. Then God blessed him and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Rain over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals scurry along, that scurry along the ground. So I want to address a topic that's been plaguing our society for some time. And that's the crisis facing men and boys. It's a crisis that many of us are well aware of, and its effect has become increasingly uh, obvious in various aspects of our lives. We see it in education, the workplace, even in the mental and emotional well-being of, of men and boys. And I won't, I, won't get the, the, I won't get into all those statistics. You can look them up, the statistics of suicide and depression among men and all of that. The statistics are alarming, though, and the headlines are calling our attention to this pressing issue. But here's the thing. We can't approach this as a he problem. We've got to approach this as a we problem in the church, Right? I believe that's what I really want to say today. And it's a challenge that we as a community of faith, we need to address collectively. And I'm, I'm really, anytime there's anything to address, there's no group of people I would rather address it with than the people of Bethany Community Church. Uh, I just find you people are just with these difficult and thorny issues and difficult issues that are being thrown at us all the time. I find so much wisdom among you, so much common sense, so much love, so much true biblical tolerance uh, that, it, that it, I'm never, uh, I never fear to approach you with anything. Uh, I really believe, I already mean that. So it's a we problem. So I want to dive into the roots of the crisis and explore how we as followers of Christ can provide a way to health, a way to flourish, 
support, guidance, respect for men who are confronting sometimes outdated notions of masculinity. I'm going to get into that in a minute. And let's turn to the scriptures, particularly Genesis 1, 26, 28 that we just read as a, as a foundation to discover how God's image within us is not only a reflection of his divine nature, but also encompasses unique gender guidelines, identities and guidelines. Uh, we're going to peer into the darkness a bit, so I warn you, I'm actually very encouraged though. I'm actually very encouraged and very optimistic. But let's start with the dark side. The man-boy crisis. I want to attempt to analyze all the reasons that we have it. Some people want to oversimplify it. I'm not going to take the time to analyze all the reasons that we're in a crisis that almost everybody knows about. Uh, but we must stop treating it as though it's not a crisis, because it is. And in fact, here's a January headline from the New Yorker of all, of all, doc, of all uh, publications. Here's a headline from the New Yorker, New Yorker back in January of 2023. What's the matter with men? They're floundering at school, they say, in the workplace. Some conservatives blame a crisis of masculinity, but the problem and their solutions are far more complex. I actually agree with that statement. They're far more complex. In March, and there's, there's, a, there's an image of kind of what's happening in the culture a lot of places. In March, there was a headline in the New York Times that read, the men and the boys are not all right. The New York Times, not, not to focus on the family, <laughs> but the New York Times. See, I, I like it when, when those people who probably wouldn't agree with me on a lot of things uh, do agree with me. And I'm, I'm like, oh, thank God, they finally got it right. <laughs> Here's what they say. Guys are 30% more likely than girls to drop out of school. Girls are achieving 60% of all college degrees. Guys are more likely to need special education. Two-thirds of special ed students are guys. Guys are outperformed by girls in almost every level from elementary to graduate school. Male unemployment rate among men 25 to 34 has more than doubled since 1970s. Male college freshmen who would describe themselves as socially uh, who uh, describe themselves as socially awkward has doubled, and not not just shy, but can't look a girl in the face, can't shake someone's hand, can't ask a woman out on a date. That's what they say. I'm not saying these things, so don't look at me. <laughs> That's what they are saying. They were self-reporting, by the way, that they feel socially awkward. Boys are five more times than girls to have ADHD. Now, I have my opinion about that. I, I, I think we try to put boys in, in desks in front of chairs and make them sit all day, and they're not wired to do that. But that's another subject. Jack Meyer is the author of The Future of Men, Masculinity in the 21st Century. Now, he wrote this back in 2016 in Time Magazine. I believe... Women and the men's movement can be at the center of a new narrative and national conversation focused on developing positive male role models for the future generations. Now, he wouldn't write that today. It's way back in 2016. <laughs> way back in the ancient history. 2016 is when people believe that stuff. <laughs> Focusing on better men, dads, husbands, boyfriends, and sons does not come at the expense of the rightful attention to women's rights and equality. I agree with that completely. The challenge is there's no foundation on which to build a movement of support, guidance, and respect for men who are confronting outdated notions of masculinity. A hopeful and positive future for men and women living in a gender-equal world requires that we also acknowledge the crisis that many young men are facing and that we invest in solutions. Now, Jack said the challenge is there's no foundation in which to build a movement of support, guidance, and respect for men who are confronting outdated notions of masculinity. Wrong, Jack. There is a foundation on which to build a movement of support, guidance, and respect for men who've lost their way in the culture. What is a man? I know we have a very famous video out there <laughs> that a few trillion people by now have watched called What is a Woman? Well, somebody needs to make another one. What is a man? <laughs> not, I'm not going to do that, okay? Don't even. 
<laughs> Let's deconstruct the false narratives. Man and woman, according to science, are real biological categories and scripture. Are real biological categories defined by reproductive anatomy and chromosomal makeup. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> However, to say that we're in the image of God goes deeper than an anatomical analysis. It goes deeper. It gets down to our divine calling and God's assigned purpose for our lives. Your divine calling and purpose has less to do with your feelings or your preferences or your perception. It has more to do with biblical revelation. The realities built into nature and that which is affirmed by the success of following God's natural order. By the way, it is not hateful or graceless to disagree with someone. It's not hateful or uh, graceless to disagree on this issue, this issue any more than it's not hateful or graceless to agree on uh, the origin of man, creationism, um, uh, the rapture of the church, the coming of Christ, the new, the, the, the Christ coming to create a new heavens and a new earth, whether Jesus was, was, was deity or just a good man. It's no more hateful for me to disagree with you about this issue than it is for me to disagree with you about this issue. This issue, disagreement is not violence. You know what disagreement is? It's called thinking. I disagree with myself all the time. <laughs> Sherry will say, you're talking to yourself, Bill. Yeah, I'm talking to myself. I'm having an argument with myself. <laughs> and when the argument is over, I'm usually a better person because I figured something out. That's how we figure things out, by debating, by arguing, by sharing our point of view. The Logos, Jesus came, the Word was made flesh, the Logos was made flesh. God builds the entire cultures on, on, on logical, logical exchange of ideas. Okay, let me give you, I'm going to give you four false narratives. I may work in a fifth if I have the, if, if, if I have the courage. <laughs> Don't goad me. False narrative number one, that there's no distinction between male and female. That's the first false narrative. God made us male and female. So the first false narrative is there's no distinction. We're, we're, we're all the same. The second false narrative is that men are unnecessary. Gloria Steinem said back in 1970, a woman needs a, a man like, like a fish needs a bicycle. Well, Gloria, uh, it's no detraction from the power and glory. Nobody said we men could do it without women. But I dare say that if there were no men, now you may disagree, don't throw anything at me, please. Uh, I dare say there would be no electrical lines hanging down the, down the road. I dare say there would be no skyscrapers. I, I dare say that a lot of heavy manufacturing would not be done. I dare say that a lot of the energy production would not be happening. And a lot of the, uh, I don't know. I, I, there's a reason they talk about manning the oil rigs. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Uh, it, I don't think defense and national security would be what it has been if it weren't for men. Uh, commercial fishing. How many of you women want to become a commercial fisherman? Fisher person. <laughs> commercial diving. Any women want to want to be a commercial diver? You know what those guys do? It's horrible what they do. You know, I certainly, I'm certainly, and I'll get into this in a minute more, but I'm certainly no man's man. But uh, when, the, when the basement is knee-deep in water, Sherry doesn't go, I'm going down there. <laughs> She's Phil, you need to go take care of that. 
Another false narrative is the macho. Men don't cry. Maybe you had a father like that who said, boys don't cry. Boys don't show their emotions. Only women show their emotions. Well, let me tell you, you ever study, you ever read the text about Jacob and Esau? It said, the Bible says, when the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. I said, that's me. A quiet man dwelling in tents. Was Jacob a, a, a man? Of course he was a man. God gave, God ended up giving everything over to Jacob. Jeremiah went around crying all the time. He was called the weeping prophet. David was a poet, a harpist, and a songwriter. He also cried easily. He wore his emotions on his sleeve. Read the Psalms. He always wore his emotions on his sleeves. Where do we get this stereotype that women are emotional and men are not emotional? That's just, that's just not true. Not true at all. D David danced in the street one time. He just went dancing down the street and his wife got so disgusted with him that, that she cursed him. Now, now if you... If, if you think David was a wimp, I, I, let me tell you something. He killed a bear with his hands. He killed a lion with his hands. So I, if I were you, I wouldn't call him a sissy. I wouldn't mess with him. <laughs> so, in fact, let me, one, let me read one more scripture I'm talking about. I'm talking about, and this, is, this could really be freeing for some people. Because, because we, tend to, we tend to assign a role to men that they are stuck in. And, 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 and I, think, I think sometimes you, you, you can get frightened uh, with, if a man is emotional. If he, if, he, if he shows emotion, you can get frightened by that. You can think, well, he's weak. No, no, no. No. Uh, listen what the Bible says. Here's a, here's a, here's a scene that, de that de defines anti-machismo. <laughs> After the boys... After the boy had gone, I won't tell you the story what that boy was about in that situation, but he, was, he had went out to retrieve arrows that Jonathan had shot. David got up from the south side of the stone and bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. Then they kissed each other and wept together, but David wept the most. That, that, you guys can start sobbing right now. It's fine. <laughs> False narrative number four. Only Tim the tool man and wild at heart. Some of you don't know what that's about, but me and my Steve Johnson back there knows what, I'm gonna, what it's about. You can ask Steve after church what wild at heart's about. It's a book. It's a book, but it talks about you know, men going out in the woods and beating their chest. You know, <laughs> and, and I respect that, by the way. I, I want to stay in my hotel room, but I respect that. <laughs> you know, I think roughing it to me is when the, a place, a hotel that doesn't have room service. That's roughing it. <laughs> but the false narrative is only Tim the tool man and wild at heart men are really masculine. See, here's where we, we get into these gender stereotypes. <laughs> Did you ever read the story in the book of Judges 4 where this woman named J.L.? Uh, got an opportunity to take care of one of Israel's enemies named Sisera, and she invited him into her tent, and she gave him a warm glass of milk. Everybody knows what a warm glass of milk does, right? It makes you sleepy. He went to sleep, and she took a big old spike and a hammer, and she hammered it through his temple. We got to get rid of the gender stereotypes. Was she now a man? Nope. Still a woman. Um, there, there, there's, and then in, and also in that same chapter, I guess, the, you know, I don't know what was going on with the men there in Judges, but in the same chapter, a woman named Deborah became the, became the judge and general of Israel. And she led the men into battle. In fact, one time she told the men they needed to go into battle, and a guy named Barak, who was supposed to lead the men, he said, I'm afraid to go if you don't go. And so, so Deborah led, led the men into battle and won the victory. 
So that's, that's why we let women preach at Bethany Community Church. Because <laughs> we, know, we know they can drive a spike through your skull and they can lead an army into battle just, as, just like a man can. You know, I, let me say this. Uh, I, I am... Uh, I am, uh, I'm not attracted to power tools. <laughs> In fact, I'm banned from using them. But, but I've known men, and I know I'm a little self-serving when I say this, because I really admire, I admire men, like my father-in-law, uh, many of you men here, I just admire men who can build stuff, you know. Uh, but I've known men who could build a house but couldn't build relationships and couldn't build people. And so I want to I bring this message home by talking about the reconstruction of the masculine image of God. That, yes, men can do all those things I just mentioned. Men can weep, they can build, they can camp and sleep in the woods. That's fine. But that doesn't define the assignment of man. And I'm going to prove it to you from the scripture. I'm going to prove it to you from the word of God. To speak of the image of God as both male and female is not picturing God, as I said, as androgynous. And if you don't know what androgynous, that, that, that's what became... Androgyny it became a thing... When was that? Would that be um, early 80s? Uh, late 70s, maybe? You had uh, Michael, uh, Michael Jackson, begin to, uh, David Bowie... Uh, to, to a lesser degree, Mick Jaggers, they took on a, a kind of a male-female look. And I'm, I'm not judging it. I'm not saying good or bad. It just, it just happened. And, uh, and that's, so that's not what this is about. The image of God is male and female. speaks more about God's assigned role for us, his assignment for us, as it does about physical characteristics. Here's the word man. The word man, the word man is the car. And... It means, you're going to see it up on the screen there, it means remember, move, impact. Remember, move, impact. Everybody say, remember, move, impact. And I'm going to, I'm going to show you the definitions. I'm going to expand these definitions. So to remember is to prioritize what God is prioritizing. Adopt a top-of-mind awareness. So you begin to think of what's important to God. You begin to, you begin, you want to bring the good and positive traditions of the past into the future. To move means to gain close proximity to things that need repair. In other words, like, like, uh, like uh, Nehemiah, in, in when, when Israel was, uh, had been destroyed, he walked among the rubble. He wasn't afraid to go walk among the rubble. He wasn't go afraid, afraid to go look at the problems. He wasn't afraid to face the problems. That was how he demonstrated his masculinity. Thirdly, it's to impact, healing, rebuilding, redeeming, refreshing, beautifying. So we're going to talk about today in the next few moments about remembering means to move. Remembering means to move towards something. Chad Bird, uh, a great... Uh, Historical Bible scholar Hillsdale University says, When I was in my early 20s, I forgot to pick up someone from the airport. Today, this situation would be easily resolved by a quick phone call. But this was well before the age of cell phones. By the time my friend fed several quarters into a payphone, talked to two or three people at the university I attended, who in turn talked to two or three people to hunt me down, she had waited hours. Needless to say, she was not very happy with me. I had forgotten her. When I was in my mid-30s, I forgot God. No, of course I wasn't like I forgot He existed. How could I? I was a professor of biblical studies. My job was to teach God's Word. Nevertheless, I forgot God by focusing exclusively upon myself, letting my head grow fat with pride, giving free, free reign to lust and living as if the only deities whom I must follow were the puny gods inside my depraved heart, all of whom bore the image of myself. I forgot the true God because I gave my heart over to false gods. 
So the kind of remembering that forgot you're going to pick up someone from the airport is not the kind of remembering that God was talking about. He was talking about the kind of remembering when you let something, or, or, or kind of forgetting, when you let something go of primary importance, and the kind of remembering is when you take back hold of things that are of primary importance. God remembered Noah, the Bible says, and his floating zoo. He made a wind blow over the earth and the waters beside it. Didn't, it wasn't like God was walking around up there in heaven. Oh, Noah, I totally forgot about him. <laughs> oh, Noah, I, oh, man, it's been, it's been 12 months. I, I forgot he existed. No, it wasn't like... When, when the Bible says God remembers, it's God's moving towards something to do something about it. Joseph and the cupbearer... Joseph said, remember Joseph? Some of you remember, some of you, I know you don't, you're not, you're not uh, well-versed in the Scripture, that's okay. But there's a story about Joseph. He gets, he gets uh, unjustly put into prison, and it's discovered in prison that he has this power from God to, re, to tell people what their dreams meant. And so the cupbearer had a dream, and he, he interpreted the cupbearer. He had been the king's cupbearer, the guy who served uh, wine to the king and tasted it first to make sure no one had slipped anything into it. And uh, he was in prison with Joseph, and he, he told Joseph a dream. Joseph properly interpreted the dream to mean he's going to go re- put back in his place of power. And Joseph said this to me, only remember me when it is well with you. Now, Joseph didn't mean, make sure you think about me. Make sure you just have me in your thoughts. It's a thought that counts, you know. Now, he said, when, remember me when it is well with you, and please do me the kindness to remember me to Pharaoh. And to get me out of this house. Most English translations say mention me. Mention me. Joseph expected more than the cupbearer than pleasant recollections of the Israelite back in the slammer. God remembered Abraham, the Bible says. He saved Lot from judgment because he remembered Abraham. Remembrance is an action decided towards some rather than, as a, rather than a psychological experience of the subject. When God forgets, he doesn't engage in a certain action. When God remembers, he does. Again, Chad Bird writes, Tom and Charlie remembered their respective wedding anniversaries in two very different ways. Tom's way landed him in his wife's good graces. Charlie's landed him in the doghouse. Here's why. Tom remembered his anniversary by sending his wife a dozen red roses at work taking her out to her favorite restaurant for dinner, buying her a little gift that said, I love you and I'm so happy that you're my wife. At bedtime, Charlie noticed that his wife was very upset and she cried, you forgot our anniversary, to which Charlie, thoroughly surprised, replied, no, honey, I did not forget. I remembered it when I got up this morning and looked at the calendar and I've been remembering that it's our anniversary all day long. Well, he had a couple of tough weeks for Charlie. <laughs> so you can, you, can, you can remember up here as a man your responsibilities. Your responsibilities to God. Your responsibilities to your wife. Your responsibilities to your children. Your responsibilities to your church. Your responsibilities to your society. Your responsibilities to, to tell the truth. Your responsibilities to have integrity. Your responsibility to get over your addiction to pornography. You can remember all of that, but when are you going to move? You can remember that you should fellowship with other men and build, build strong brotherhood friendships and be a, part of the, be a part of the band of brothers. You can remember that the way Charlie remembered it, or you can remember it the way the other guy remembered it. <laughs> See, the opposite of remember is to dismember. What kind of man allows things to remain dismembered? Let me give you the masculine image in a sentence. In a sentence, I'm going to give you the masculine image. As a man, you are designed and assigned to move toward challenges and face them. Move toward problems and resolve them. Take what is dismembered and remember it. Remember this. So, just five degrees. If you're ready to crank it up, go ahead, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you get by with just move. Just go look at the problem today. <laughs> just go walk among the rubble. By the way, you will not feel like doing it because the natural mind is enmity against God. 
you won't feel like doing it. Make a list of all the things God wants you to move toward today. That's what I want you men to do. Now, here's the type of men who don't remember. Here's forgetful men. Passive and lazy men are not remembering men. Therefore, they're not living out the image of God. They're suppressing their purpose. They have low motivation, small motors, emotional sluggishness, apathy, procrastinate, and they have low convictions. Sometimes things today that feel like hate are really not hate, they're convictions. Sherry uh, has told me this story a few times, and uh, she's told it in my presence to others, um, and I won't get it perfectly, but it went kind of like this. Uh, at a real estate con- convention many years ago, uh, her office, Mike Siever, uh, part of the ownership of that office, and we're so proud of Mike and and Sherry, and what they did in that real estate office, key realty services. But they won an, a, a, some kind of a national award, at, uh, at a sales award, at a conference. And so Sherry, the thumbnail of, of her, uh, of her uh, uh, bio, and picture and bio went up on screen and revealed she was a pastor's wife. So afterward, a lady came up to her and shared with Sherry that she, also, she was a pastor's daughter. And then went on to share that, but she did not go to church or believe anymore. And when Sherry asked her why, she said, well, I stopped going to church as a late, my late teens. And um, eventually went to college, got married. And my parents never, never talked to me about going back to church or believing in God. They never pursued me. They never brought it up. Something like that. That's how the story went. And she said, but I had a little baby, and uh, I held that little baby to my breast, and I looked down at that baby, and I said to myself, if I believe what my parents said they believe, that there was a God, and there was a Jesus, and there was a heaven, and there was a hell, if I believed it, and she looked down at that precious little child in her, uh, in her, in her arms, she said, if I believed it, I would not sleep until I convinced this child to believe and go back to church. I think that's a powerful story. Men, that's a story about a woman, but men, do you really believe? Or she said, she said this, I remember what Sherry said, she said this, I don't think my parents really believed. I think they were just part of a club. I believe... By the way, I believe you men are looking for something. I believe you're looking for a challenge. I believe you're looking for something that's right. I believe you're looking for a fight to fight. I really believe that. And I believe that's what many men are missing. You're looking for a fight to fight. You're looking for a challenge. You're looking. I, I looked around this morning, men, some of you men sitting with your families, with your hands raised, worshiping God, and excited about God. And I, I, I don't, that's, that's what these men are. These are men, these are men who... who, who these are men who want to empty hell and populate heaven. That's what, these, that's what these kind of men are. So passive and lazy men. Distracted men are not remembering men. Therefore, they are not living out the image of God. They are suppressing their purpose with hobbies, trips, work, projects, secular success. And not focusing on raising godly children. Not focusing on building the work of God and leading men and women to Christ. Then there's weak and fearful men. They're not remembering men. Therefore, they are not living out the image of God. They're suppressing their purpose. Their fear, uh, uh, some of you men are fearful about being regressive. You're so afraid of not being progressive. It just terrifies you that someone at work would not think you're progressive. That you are regressive. You, you fear rejection. You fear losing uh, friends, you fear losing the affection of your spouse in some cases. You fear losing the affection of your children. I want the affection of my children, but that was never my number one goal. Amen. I was not created by God to be their friend. I was created by God to impart to them the wisdom of the past, the wisdom of God from the scripture. And that there is a way that leads to life and there's a way that leads to death. And it's my job not to be their best buddy, 
but to show them the way that leads to life. Life in this life and life eternal. Then there's worldly-minded men. You're not a remembering man because you're not living out the image of God. You're suppressing your purpose because you are so focused on what this world says is important. There's nothing wrong, by the way. There's nothing wrong with having your children play sports. Especially if you have a, a young person in your home that's talented and you believe they could have a future in sports. I have no problem with that. I'm, I'm still waiting on some Bethany kid to become a superstar and pay tithes to Bethany Community Church. <laughs> but I know in my heart, man, I've, I, I know I watch men sometimes who think getting their children in all the sports programs is the key to them being well-developed, well-rounded. And so they're, they're missing church all the time because the kids are in this, they, their kids are in a sport for every season. And, 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 and there's just no hard evidence that having your child in all the sports programs makes them great citizens of the world, it, or, or especially men and women of God. If the church is, if church is not important, if you, if you send them the message, church is a less, of lesser importance, they're going to grow up believing that church is of lesser importance. Uh, can we, you know, I'm not, I'm not opposed to you having your children in programs, and dance and hockey and, and all these kind of things that are out there. But we need to bring this into balance today. We, we need to bring this into balance. Where did, we get the, where did we get this idea that the thing that would raise great children was to keep them really busy? That that was the key. That was the key to them to being well-developed people because we know how busy we are. We know we're way too busy and we're exhausted from being so busy. We want them to grow up and be great Americans who are also too busy. <laughs> I'm not sure what the answer is because... As a pastor, of course, you, don't, you want everybody to be in church on Sunday morning. But I, don't know, I don't know the complete answer. You're going to have to work it out with God in your conscience. But I'm telling you, sports programs and dance programs and other programs are not the key to raising godly children or even, even healthy children. Amen? Can I get an Amen. By the way, remembering doesn't even mean, men, that you have to think of everything. Because you're actually not wired biologically. You're actually not wired to multi-think. Multi if you're most men. Now, some of you probably exception. That's fine. And there's room for exceptions. Most women are designed to multi-think. Not all, but, but actually there's a, the, the, the connection of the brain is a, a thinking called the corpus callosum, and it's, in the average woman, it's larger than it is a man. So the two hemispheres of a woman's brain are better connected than a man's brain. Now, women, you knew something was wrong. <laughs> no, and that's it. That's what's wrong. I suspect, I don't know this is true, God did not reveal this to me, but I suspect God wanted men, God designed men to focus on one thing at a time. Amen. You know, if, if, if you are on the front lines of battle, and I know women are in combat too now in some places, but still it's pretty much a male domain, I think, being in the front lines of battle. If a man's in the front lines of battle, you don't want him thinking about three things. You want him thinking about one thing, you know. So, what I'm saying is, it's okay, women... We are partners. Male and female are together the image of God. So you may be the one who says, Honey, you need to go have a talk with Junior. That's okay. That's okay. Don't be threatened by that. I mean, oh, well, you thought of it. I was, the pastor said I was supposed to remember. Remember doesn't mean thinking about something. Remembering means doing something about something. It's moving. Action, right? Um, 
The women of our lives will often know better about what needs to be remembered. A man who, a man who submits to the masculine image of God will neither sabotage her revelation or be afraid to resist when she doesn't have the proper revelation. Men who don't have to think, men you don't have to think of everything, but we do have to move and impact. Listen to David's words to Solomon. I'm about to go the way of the earth. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 2. So be strong, act like a man. And observe what the Lord your God requires. See? There it is. To, to, to remember means to observe what God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so you may prosper in all you do and what, wherever you go. Now, here's perhaps the saddest verse in the Bible. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 11. Just a few chapters later, just a few years later, as Solomon grew old, his wife turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord. Now, if you do a little research, you will find the goddess of Ashtoreth is what they would build Asherah poles, and they would actually, they would actually have uh, uh, all kinds of sexual rites and actual sexual intercourse and part of their worship. So it wasn't just that Solomon was missing, missing church once in a while. He was allowing, and Molech, that they, they would throw their babies into the fire as a way of, of, of worshiping the god Molech. So, so it's, 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 it's apparent, it's almost positive, I'm almost positive that Solomon, this great man of God, this wise man, that something went wrong in his brain, and he must have, I, we can't prove it, but he must have allowed some of his own children to be thrown into the fire because he forgot to remember God. This is really serious. Men, I, I'm not minimizing the role of women, but I believe God is holding you responsible for all of this stuff. I believe God is holding you responsible for the state of our world. Now, you can, you can feel sorry for yourself because the world has turned against you as a man. You can feel sorry for yourself because it's harder to be a man now than it was in my dad's generation. You can feel sorry for yourself, but you're not going not to change anything by feeling sorry for yourself. Amen. The only way you're going to do this, you have to, you, have to, you have to gird up your loins and stand up and do what God said in 1 Kings 2, to act like a man. Amen. How many of you women say amen? amen? Now listen to this description of Israel under Solomon's son, Rehoboam who reigned for 17 years in Judah. Judah did evil in the eyes of the Lord. By the sins they committed, they stirred up his jealous anger more than those who were before them had done. He was worse than his dad. They also set up for themselves high places, sacred stones, Asherah poles. That's where they had those sexual orgies. On every high hill and under every spreading tree, there there were even male shrine prostitutes in the land. The people engaged in all detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before Israel. Because Solomon forgot, his son forgot. He began a, he began a pattern of dismembering, dismembering the power and the prosperity that God wanted the nation of Israel to have. Those detestable practices, including all those things that I just mentioned, consulting fortune tellers and seeking guidance from the occult sources, and of course, the worst, participating in child sacrifices. When we lose our way, we always sacrifice our children. Always. Always, always, always. When we lose our way, we sacrifice our children. The children are the purest form of the image of God. And Satan hates the image 
of God. I believe in the Garden of Eden when God said to the serpent, you will strike his heel, but his seed, the seed of man, will wound you in the head. And I believe Satan took note of that and said, I have to go after the seed of man. I have to always go after man's seed. I always have to go after his children. And I'm asking you men to begin to pay attention. I'm asking you to begin to remember what has been dismembered. I want to ask everyone to stand. And here's how I want to end this service. I want every man to come out of your seat where you're standing. And I want you to come and stand in front of me. Look up at me. And I'm going to give you the conclusion to the sermon. And then I want you to bring that piece of paper because we're going to do a responsive reading in a couple of minutes. I'm excited. I really am. I'm not negative at all. I believe this is the start of Bethany Community Church Summer Revival. I believe that's what it is. Okay. Isn't this beautiful? Wow. This is moving. Man, this moves me. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this group of men. The devil doesn't have a chance this summer. He doesn't have a chance. I want to tell you this. It, I, I got this from one of Toby Mack's uh, uh, posts that he does. Don't forget, you can start late. Some of you guys are starting late. There, there are areas of my life where I've started late. You can start over. You can be unsure. You can act different. You can try and fail and still succeed. That's my message to you today. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a piece of paper, and I want you to turn, and I want you to face the women and children. Now, I don't know. We may need a little more light in here. Can everybody see? Uh, the Bible says men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. So <laughs> is that why we have dark churches these days? I don't know. Probably not. So here's what we're going to do. This is a responsive reading. And I'm, I'm, uh, the men are going to read first. And then you look down where it says women and children. And you read, okay? At this time, we want to express our gratitude for the women and children in our lives, to acknowledge our dependence on God, and to accept responsibility to step up and lead in a godly manner. Let us join together in this responsive reading. Men, we stand before God and humbly declare, with hearts filled with gratitude and appreciation, for the women and children who grace our lives, and the God who has called us to live with courage and strength in this moment. Women and children. Men, we acknowledge that we are not self-sufficient, that we are in constant need of God's guidance and grace. We confess our tendency to rely on our own strength, to forget that our strength comes from above. Women and children. Men, we recognize the responsibility to, entrusted to us to lead with humility, integrity, and love. We confess our failures to fulfill this calling and our willingness to learn and grow in godly leadership. I need to borrow some. I guess I don't have the... Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm sorry. I'm, I, I thought I had two sheets of her. Pastor, this. No, I, I don't. I don't have. I don't have the uh, right paper. Oh, here we go. Women and children.
Okay, I have front and back here. I am so sorry. Uh, I tell you what, let's do it this way. We're okay. Uh, repeat after me. All right? Women and children? No, no, you don't have to say this. This is for women and children. Okay. Women and children. We stand as allies. Supporting your growth, encouraging your steps toward godly leadership. We affirm your desire to lead with love and integrity, and we commit to stand by your side. Okay, men, we pray for strength and discernment to walk in alignment with God's will. We seek the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. To lead with love, to lead love kindness, kindness, and respect. respect. Women and children, we echo your prayers, joining our hearts with yours, asking God for his wisdom and strength to guide you. We commit to supporting you and your leadership as we work together for his kingdom's glory. So, this is mine. Let us go forth grateful for the women and children in our lives, dependent on God's wisdom and strength, and commitment to lead in a manner that honors Him. In unity, let us embrace our God-given roles together, fulfilling His purpose, and living out our masculine image. Let us pray. Father, we commit ourselves to remember, to put back together what the adversary has tried to take apart. God, you are going to give us success because where two or three are gathered in your name, you're in the midst. Because if God be for us, no one can be against us. So Lord, I commission the men who stand before me to be men who remember, men who move toward the challenges of life and address them and conquer them and let the Holy Spirit work through them. I bless the women of this church and of this congregation, and the children. I bless them as they partner with us to make this house a house of hope, a house of praise, a house of glory, a house of great human flourishing, and more than anything, a house that's filled with the glory of God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.